So this morning, yes, we enter into a journey in the New Testament book of Hebrews in chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, known by many believers as a hall of faith. We're calling it a legacy of heroes. Uh, because in this short series, it'll take us up to 9-11. 9-11 falls on a Sunday this year, and we are celebrating heroes and sacrifice on that day. So it all goes together nicely as we acknowledge what it means to be a hero of the faith as well. And my prayer for us is that we would see ourselves as part of the legacy of faith, the legacy of heroes. And we would let God examine us for what impact our faith is making and what we're trusting Christ for. Uh, go ahead and find in your Bible the New Testament book of Hebrews and find there chapter 11. Just hold your place there for a minute. While you're turning there, I want to uh, underscore uh, Pastor Mike's announcement about the training for the Gospel Project, the two Wednesday nights, and you got an email, you heard it announced, the, the times for your particular ministry, if you're involved in those ministries, the Wednesday nights for you to be there. And as he said, I'll be uh, teaching and guiding us through, facilitating the exact same um, training time on those two Wednesday nights, which means if you're coming the first Wednesday night, yeah, if you're the second Wednesday night, you're going to get the good stuff. Because by then I'll know it. See, that, that's how that works. Now, I, I, it'll all be, for all of us, we'll be, we're going to get engaged in this and excited about it and have our questions answered. It's going to be a great time going forward. I want to remind you also, Gideon Speaker, next Sunday morning, I'll be on my annual study week this week, taking time away. If you're new to First Baptist Church, what that means is I disappear from the church office to focus work on just a few things prayer, preparation, and sermons for the coming year. So that's what I'll be doing. Then the end of the week, uh, I'll be out of town, wrapping up study week out of town, and celebrating my granddaughter's first birthday. So, isn't that cool? Yes. Gotta love that. Well, that's all I have to say today. <laughs> but remember, next Sunday morning, we are so blessed to have Lewis Shaw from the Gideons here. We support the Gideons International. It's so rare in our world to have a ministry or any organization that is so laser focused they do one thing share the gospel of Jesus Christ by distributing Bibles worldwide that's what they do and we support that a hundred percent they are laser focused on that we're going to be talking in this series about the kind of faith that is pleasing to God what God looks for in faith that's what all of Hebrews chapter 11 is about and I want to say, that's what the Gideons are about also. They're about doing what it's obvious. You know, a lot of times we ask, God, will you bless me doing this, bless me doing that? When a lot of times God's already, he's already blessing. And all he's saying is, uh, come alongside me, come with me in what I'm already blessing. And I can guarantee the distribution of God's word and the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ, God is already blessing that. All you've got to do is get involved with it. And that's what the Gideons are doing. So coming up to September 11 and maybe a Sunday or so after that, we're going to be talking about heroes of the faith and aspiring to be part of this legacy of heroes that we're already a part of. It's just whether or not we realize it and recognize it. But we're also going to be aspiring to apply that same kind of faith, that same kind of faith that made our ancestors in the faith stand out for their faith. It's what made them heroes of the faith. Not their perfection, because certainly they were not perfect, and you'll recognize the names 
in Hebrews chapter 11 of believers in the Bible who were far from perfect. Many of them made grand mistakes and God had to pull them out of that and God forgave them of that. But still, God did a great work through them because they were heroes of the faith and they leave us that legacy. This morning we're going to start out talking about what that kind of faith is. Because that's where the chapter begins. What, what is that kind of faith? And we'll see that they're, they're, it's a faith and the discussion has something very specific in common. It's the belief that what we see is not all there is. And it's, it's that belief, that faith in God, that God is going to do what we cannot yet see. That God is capable of doing what we cannot do. And what we do not see is yet to unfold. That kind of faith is faith that pleases God. So look there with me. We're going to actually start reading at the end of chapter 10. Chapter 10 and verse 39 and then straight into verse, uh, chapter 11. Chapter 10, verse 39, straight into chapter 11, because I want you to catch this flow of thought, why it is in the first place the writer picks up on this theme of faith. Uh, let me insert right here, uh, the book of Hebrews is all about how Jesus fulfilled the priesthood, uh, that Jesus fulfilled so many things that God uh, planned for him to fulfill, and specifically the Jewish law and the priesthood. That's what the book of Hebrews is about. But the author is, is not identified in the book, so we'll just call him the writer when we refer to him. But God has preserved this wonderful book. If you've never read it, be sure and read it while we're in this series. Wonderful book uh, with extraordinary and rich and thick blessings and teaching of what Jesus has done for us. Chapter 10, verse 39. This is what the Bible says. But we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For by this our ancestors were approved. By faith we understand the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are, that are uh, not visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts. And even though he is dead, he still speaks through his faith. There it is. There's that legacy of faith. Even though he's dead, he still speaks through his faith. By faith, Enoch was taken away. And so he did not experience death. He was not found to be, he was not found, excuse me, he was not to be found because God took him away. For before he was taken away, he was approved as one who pleased God. Now without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And this morning we will stop there. The writer of the Hebrews catalogs heroes of the faith in this chapter. But before he does that, he establishes what he means by faith that, that makes them heroes. In verse 2 is the hinge point. Verse 2 is what everything else in these opening verses and in the chapter spins off of. It's the pivot point. Very simply put, he says that our ancestors, for by this, that is the faith of verse 1, the reality of this faith, of what's hoped for, proof of what is not seen, for by this our ancestors were approved. They were approved. We read it. In other words, this is faith that pleased God. Now throughout this, these verses and throughout the chapter, I want you to tuck away a couple of things. The term translated approved and the term translated please. 
the term we just read in verse 2, approved, we read it again in these verses, and frequently in the chapter we will read that these people pleased God. Now, what I don't want you to hear from that is that we have to work hard to earn God's approval. Or worse, that we have to work hard to be approved so we can be saved. That's not at all what this chapter is talking about. Instead, just the opposite. What it's talking about is how people who have been saved, who are saved, who li- and live by faith, how they live by faith and how you and I can do that as well, and what kind of faith God is looking for. Uh, the term translated approved refers to an outward witness. It actually gives us our word martyr. It's someone who testifies to the faith. So when you read in this verse, verse 2 and the rest of the chapter where it says they were approved by this, that is their, their faith was approved or they were approved, what the Word of God is saying is that their testimony of faith was open and seen by all. They were validated and confirmed as those who live by faith. And throughout the chapter, the word translated please, that we please God, is frankly exactly that. But what it means is that this faith is pleasing to God. It's like God says, ah, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. That kind of faith. It's pleasing to God. That's what we're going to hone in on this morning. We're just going to ask and answer the question, what kind of faith is pleasing to God? What kind of faith pleases God and Do we live by that kind of faith? We typically think of of faith as pleasing when we think of it as pleasing to us. Now follow me on this. Uh, It's okay to pray with faith and ask in faith that God would take care of you, that God would protect you, that God would provide the resources you need to live by, that God would heal you and care for your children. All of these are prayers that we pray, that God would supply for us all of our needs. The Bible even teaches us to petition God to pray for others and to ask for, for, Jesus said, ask and you will receive. That's all good. And when we ask, we ask in faith. That's all good. But here's the thing. What's our motivation for asking? See, sometimes when we ask God by faith to take care of us, to answer these prayers, what we're asking God really is, God, please me in a way that I approve of. Do what I want you to do and please me and then I'll believe in you. Then I'll follow you. Then I'll do what you want me to do. I know it's a fine line. It sounds like we're splitting hairs, but pay close attention to that. When you ask God to answer your prayers, are you asking God to please you on your terms? Do what I want you to do, make me happy, and I will approve. But the faith that pleases God is faith in the unseen. It's faith in God that God can do whatever God chooses to do. And when I bring my petitions to him, when I ask him for provision, when I ask him for guidance, I believe that what I see is not all there is because my God can answer my prayers according to his plan and his will. Faith that is pleasing to God is faith that says, God, I trust you for what I cannot see. That's the whole teaching In Hebrews chapter 11, God, I trust you as my God for what I cannot see. 
Not just what's in front of me, not just the problems I have today, not just the worries that confront me, not just the broken relationship today. I believe you to work in those, but God, bigger than that, I believe you for what I cannot see. And I'm not uh, held down by what I see. I believe God is at work. And that faith pleases God. And as we'll see in just a moment, that's the reason folks with that kind of faith get to see God work. And see God work in extraordinary ways they had never imagined. Because God's not held down by our imaginations. (laughs) And when we trust Him for what we cannot see, we see God do great things. I want to go back to the text for a minute this morning. And I want us to consider three things about this faith that is pleasing to God. This faith that pleases God. This faith that puts all our trust in Him for what we cannot see. So look at this with me. First, uh, think about the character of faith that pleases God. The character of faith that pleases God. The writer says, now faith, and here's his definition, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. See, faith in the Bible is not an abstract idea. The Bible never says, well, just have faith. And everything will work out. A faith in scripture and faith in truth and reality is as strong as the object of that faith. And when the object of that faith is the eternal God, then you're anchoring your faith in the one who knows everything and can do everything and loves you completely. You anchor your faith in a real God. So therefore, you can say, I have confident assurance In my God. And that's how that that whole definition of faith in verse 1, that's what that means. It boils down to this. Confident assurance that God can do what I do not see. That God can bring about His plan. It's a confident assurance. You You can underscore that. You can write it in the margin of your Bible. Confident assurance. I trust God. There's an irrefutable component of faith When I'm trusting the God of the universe, I know that he is in charge and in control. God will do whatever he says. And I know that even though it doesn't appear that way right now, I know that God is at work. That's what that faith is. Now, verse 6 packages this a little bit more. Just in case you want to know more about it, verse 6 says, Now, without faith, that is this kind of faith, Faith that's confident assurance, assurance and, and that God can do whatever he's going to do. Without that faith, it is impossible to please God. Not unlikely, not unusual, not uncommon. Impossible to please God if you don't have confident assurance that he knows the future and that what you see is not all there is. You have confident assurance that he will accept your faith and trust him for the unknown. Still in verse 6, this is why. Pay attention to this. This is why. Since the one who draws near to him must believe he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Now suddenly we have a criteria for faith. Without this faith, it's impossible to please God. Why is that? Because two things. If you're going to draw near to him, you have to believe that he exists. That sounds pretty basic, doesn't it? 
I mean, certainly all Christians believe that, right? If you draw near to him, you have to believe that he exists. Well, the writer is putting this in the context of the ancient world in which people believed in multiple gods all the time. So at rock bottom, what he's saying is you have to believe that this God exists. This particular God. And that he and he alone is the one that can answer your prayer. He and he alone is the one that you will trust for tomorrow and for the future and what you cannot see. And then he adds, that, then he adds a note about the character of this God. To come to him, that you must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You not only believe that he exists and that he is the one true God, you believe something very particular about his character and this is why you trust him for the future. You believe that those who trust him can anticipate an outcome that's beneficial. The term translated reward doesn't mean he's going to shower you with money. It means that you can trust him for what you cannot see and there will be a beneficial outcome. If you will trust him, move forward with him, you can know that he knows what you do not know. He sees what you do not see. He can provide for you when you get there. There is a reward in trusting God this way. And he is pleased to let you experience that. Why do so many Christians never experience God doing great work through them and great work in their lives? This is it right here. Because your faith is based on what you can get from God. He's got to do it on your terms. Heroic faith, faith that sees God work and experiences those rewards, those outcomes, those benefits, is faith that trusts God for everything moving forward. I believe that he exists. This particular God, the God of the Bible, revealed in Jesus Christ. I believe that he exists. And in believing that he exists... I believe that he rewards those who seek him. I will seek him and I will follow him. The character of this faith is a confident assurance in the God of the Bible revealed in Jesus Christ to fulfill his promises for tomorrow. That's the character of this faith. It's confident assurance in the God of the Bible revealed in Jesus Christ to fulfill his promises for tomorrow. You can trust him for what you cannot see. Then the writer says, how do you know that? Okay, he's anticipating this. How do you know that? Well, that brings us to the focus of faith that pleases God. The focus of faith that pleases God. For the first time in verse 3, he opens the verse with the two words that become a poetic recitation throughout the rest of the chapter. By faith, he says. Now, from this point forward, he's going to talk about our heritage of faith, the heroes of our faith, the legacy, and start each one with this exclamation, by faith. But here he's talking about believers in his time and, and us, by faith. We understand this, this one thing, that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. How do you know that what you see is not all there is. How do you know that by faith, God has a plan you can't see? 
That God can bring about what you do not know about yet. That God loving you can bring about beneficial outcomes when you're trusting in Him and you can trust Him to do that. You don't know what they are yet necessarily, but you can bring that about. You know how you know? Because He's done it before. It's called creation. You ever wonder if God can bring about the visible from the invisible, what is not seen, verse 3, Look around you. If you believe in this God, this God, the God of the Bible, the one true God, your first step in that belief is that He is our Creator. That's how He introduces Himself in the Bible. In the beginning, God created. There's a reason for that. Because everything else comes after that. Everything else you believe about God Everything you believe about is love for you. Everything you believe when you trust Him for tomorrow, for you trust Him for your circumstances, for you trusting Him to bring about the visible from the unseen yet in your life, it starts right there. God created everything from nothing. Proof positive. Proof positive that He can do in your life whatever He chooses to do. And how you know that is his word. He spoke the world into existence. Right? That's how he created. And his word preserved in the scripture, the word of God, is the focus of this faith that pleases God. Faith that is pleasing to God consistently goes to his word and says, I trust your promises. I trust what you say you will do. I believe your word. I believe it when it says you're my creator. I believe it when you, say, when you say that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I believe your word when you tell me that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me and is alive today and he can save me if I will trust him. I believe that you walk with me day by day. Why? Because your word says that. I believe your word is living and acting and sharper than any two-edged sword. Why? Because your word says that. I believe that you can do more than I can ever imagine or think. Why? Because your word says that that. I believe you answer my prayers. Why? Because your word says that. I believe you'll provide for me. Why? Because your word says that. I believe that you provide for me before I even arrive at where you're leading me. Because your word says you will walk with me and shepherd me. Even through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Your word says that. Faith that pleases God starts with this. He is our creator. And by his word, created everything from nothing. That same word that you can trust. All of his promises, you can trust in the word of God. Because that's his nature. That's his character. And when you trust his word, you can count on him to work just as he says that he will. Rebecca McLaughlin is a, is a writer and Christian apologist. Speaks, speaks widely and in one of her books, she's talking about science and faith. and She says, many contemporary atheists give the impression that faith and science are completely incompatible. For example, she says, Steven Pinker, an atheist, says, quote, the findings of science imply the belief systems of all the world's traditional religions and cultures are factually mistaken. Another atheist says, atheism is a demanding, rigorous, breathtaking grip on reality, one that has been vindicated beyond reasonable doubt. It's called science. In other words, atheism and science are the same thing, according to him. So she goes on to interview, talk to, and quote, Christian scientists. 
An MIT professor who grew up in China became a Christian, and he says, my research is only a platform for me to do God's work. His creation, the way he made this world, is very interesting, amazing, really. Andrew Gosler, an Oxford professor of applied ethnobiology, no, I don't know what that is, but ethnobiology says, my coming to faith in Christ did not rest on one single issue. It was a holistic redefining of perspectives that came together through every aspect of my life. What he means by that is, I came to Christ when I realized Christ makes sense and makes sense of everything. One more, Cambridge professor uh, of physics, Russell Calvert, says, understanding more of science didn't make God's role smaller. It allows me to see his creative activity in more detail. When I start with this, God is my creator. The rest of it makes sense. His creation demonstrates to me that he can speak into existence the world around me. And I can trust his word and the word of God for all that he says. The focus of faith that pleases God is the word of God and what he says and acknowledging him as our creator. So then third, the practice of faith that pleases God. See, faith is just not something we think about or even something we believe. It's something we do. It's how we behave. And the writer gives us the first examples of our legacy of heroes, this legacy of faith. And he brings them up because it was the practice of their faith uh, that early in the book of Genesis showed that God looks for faith. And this faith in God is what pleases God. Not, not, not your works, not your religion, but your faith in God. He gives two examples. The first one is so we'll remember that our worship pleases God. Worship by faith. Not works, not religion, but our worship pleases God. Verse 4, by faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. By faith he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts. And even though he is dead, he still speaks through his faith. Remember the story of Cain and Abel? Genesis chapter 4, two brothers, Cain and Abel. And they both come to offer sacrifices to God. And the Bible says that God accepted and received Abel's sacrifice, but he rejected Cain's sacrifice. And you know, the end of the story is Cain kills Abel. But the point of bringing up Abel's faith right here is that his worship was an act of faith. The reason God received it is because it was an act of faith in the one true God. It was a belief that worshiping God in faith would declare, testify, approve the fact that he believed in God. And it was, it was purely an act of faith. That's the worship God receives. Your worship is an act of faith, your belief in him. And that worship can take place here, and it should. It can take place at home, and it can. But every day, you trust God, and you trust his word. You're practicing this worship of faith. Every day you sacrifice to him. Give to him your life. Let him work through you. Let him do in your life what he pleases. Let him answer prayers as he pleases. You're giving that sacrifice of worship in faith to him. And then the second example is so that we remember that our walk, that our walk in faith pleases God. Enoch. Enoch. 
is the next example. Enoch shows up in Genesis chapter 5, just right after the Cain and Abel story. Uh, Here we read that by faith, Enoch was taken away, and so he did not experience death. He was not to be found because God took him away. He repeats it. For before he was taken away, he was approved as one who pleased God. He was approved as one who pleased God. Can you imagine the legacy of your life being that at the end of your life, having that epitaph put on your tombstone? He pleased God. Now, this little bit right here doesn't really tell you why Enoch is so significant, but the writer of the Hebrews knows that all of his readers of his time certainly would know. See, we're only told very, we're told very little about Enoch in the book of Genesis, but we're, what we are told is, is preserved throughout history, and it's very simple. It's just simply this. Enoch walked with God. That's right. Enoch walked with God, and then the Bible says in the book of Genesis, and he was not, because God took him. He didn't die on earth and wasn't buried on earth. God translated him up, because there early on, he stood out as one who walked with God. He stands as an example of what a person who lives by faith, and in the Bible, the term walking by faith means living by faith. It defines your lifestyle. And a person who walks with God is a person who walks by faith. Trust God entirely for your life and everything that goes with it, and you seek by your life to please God. Enoch walked with God as an illustration and a reminder that all of us can walk by faith. We can live by faith, not by sight. We can see and believe what God is doing by trusting him day by day, believing him for the future. The future we can't see, but we know that God is in charge of that, having confident assurance that God will always do what he wants to do. Did you know your faith in him grows your walk with him? That, that faith that pleases God is what helps you grow in your faith. I'm looking around, I know many of you, I hope all of you, but certainly many of you were baptized just like these two wonderful young believers were today. When you rose up out of that water of baptism, you began that walk with Christ, that new life in Christ as a witness to the world. It was your first statement, your first time you said in public that my faith in Christ is a testimony, it testifies, it approves my walk with him. Then for the rest of your walk on earth, you are strengthening that faith. You are living by that faith. Or you're choosing not to. You're choosing instead to say, God, I want you to please me. God, I'm going to live for me. Or you're saying, God, I want to please you and I want to trust you for the future. It's one or the other. So I want to ask you this morning, believers in Christ, which one are you cultivating? Are you cultivating that faith? Maybe you're in a situation, a position right now, a circumstance where it's really hard to see your way out. Do you believe that God sees what you do not see? Do you have a confident assurance that God knows what you do not know, sees what you do not see, prepares you for where you do not even know that you're going? Do you trust God? Do you have that kind of faith in Him? That's the faith that pleases God and sees the outcome of that kind of faith in God. I was doing some reading this week, and I have, have you ever wondered why God brings things to mind? When you're you're reading something, I've been reading history lately, and uh, a lot of history this summer. Got some books on the side, and and been reading those books, and finished one actually yesterday. 
uh, and I have no idea why this came to mind. When I was a little boy, and my, before my, my parents divorced when I was four years old, before they divorced, we lived in the farming community of Farmington, North Carolina. Any of you guys know where Farmington is? Wow. Okay. It's small. It's small. Okay. Right outside of Winston-Salem, Farmington, North Carolina. We, and we lived in a farmhouse, had a big garden out in the back. And I remember this particular day when my mother and a friend of hers were in the kitchen, and the kitchen was right off the back porch, which again was close to a big garden at the back. And they're in the kitchen, and they're, they're cooking and talking and making food. And my mother's friend was making a peach cobbler. And I must have been really underfoot. I must have been chatty in the way, I don't know, because all of a sudden she turned to me and gave me a peach seed and said, why don't you go plant that in the garden? And I said, sure. So I took off out the back door. Now I'm sure what she was thinking when she gave me that seed was take it out into the garden, dig a small hole, put the seed in there, cover it up, come back, water it, nurture it, cultivate it, and watch it grow. That's what she saw in her mind. What I saw in my mind is running up to the edge of the garden and throwing that seed as far as I could with my four-year-old arm into the garden. And I was so proud of myself. I had just planted a peach seed. Which version of that is your version of faith? God has given you and me a great gift in knowing him through Christ. Do you believe him? Do you believe him for tomorrow? In that first step of faith when you trusted Christ as your Savior, did you take it and you plant it and you nurture it and you cultivate it and all your life in your walk with Christ, you see that faith grow. And every time you trust God, your creator, your redeemer, the one who loves you more than you could imagine, Every time you trust him and focus on his promises in his word, you are reminded he has great things in store for you ahead. He sees what you cannot see and can do what you cannot do. And that faith nurtures and that faith grows. Or, you trusted Christ as your Savior. Did you take that seed and trivialize it and toss it out there somewhere and say, I might get back to that. Hope it grows on its own. And that's really what a lot of Christians do. We kind of hope our faith is growing. Sure, I'll go to church. I might read the Bible. I might even get into a Bible study. And maybe accidentally my faith will grow. Is that the faith that pleases God? Consider where you find yourself today in your faith. And believers, I want to challenge you today. Do you trust God for what you cannot see? Do you have confident assurance in God for what you cannot do? Do you believe that there's a beneficial outcome on the other side of the circumstances that you're in? Because God sees it and knows it and can bring it about. Do you believe that today? I want to pray for all of us in a minute. Believers, I want to pray for you that... Today you'll start over. You'll cultivate that faith. You'll strengthen that faith. You'll believe God for what you cannot see. You'll trust God for tomorrow and for the circumstances you're in. I want to pray for all of us that, that we will desire and aspire to be believers who leave a legacy of faith in our lifetime.
And maybe you're in this room or you're at home and you, you're not a follower of Christ. You've never trusted him as your savior. I'm going to pray for you and with you as well. I'm going to pray a very simple prayer that invites you by faith to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Acknowledges that there's nothing you can do good enough to win God's or earn God's approval. Faith is what God is looking for. So let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, in this place today, God, there are Christians worn out, struggling, tired. There are Christians here and at home, God, and, and our faith, Father, has been battered and, and worn, and we're struggling where we are, God. And Father, we thank you for this reminder that you see what we do not see, and we can trust you, God. Have confident assurance in you for what we do not see and what we cannot do. So God, for all of us and for everyone here and at home, I pray, God, today that in faith we would trust you with our situation, our circumstance. Maybe it's very difficult, maybe it's not so hard. But whatever it is, God, we want to see you work in that circumstance. Not just what we can do, we want to see you work in that circumstance. So God, we give it to you. We give you our situation. We give you our struggles, our heartache, our burden. We trust you with our relationships. We trust you with our job. We trust you, God, with our families, our friends. We trust you with our decisions, God. We trust you with our money. But most of all, God, we trust you because of who you are. We know, God, you love us. You've shown us that in Christ. And we trust your word and your promises today. Father, maybe there's one in this room and one at home that needs to take that first step of faith, that by faith, trust Christ as our Savior. So I pray this prayer, Father, with them today. God, if they're here or at home, I pray in faith they'd receive Jesus. Trust Him for forgiveness and salvation. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know I can't save myself. I've been trying, trying to be good, trying to earn your love. And I know I can't do that. So Jesus, I acknowledge I'm a sinner. And I repent of my sin. And Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me and that you're alive today. So Jesus, come into my heart and into my life. I ask you by faith to forgive me of my sins and change me. Make me a new creature in Christ. I want to be born again today. And by faith, I receive Christ as my Savior. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And God, I pray for all of us, Father, that we would seek to be the kind of people not perfect, but just people who walk by faith, not by sight, and trust you for what we cannot see. God, I pray we would aspire today, begin desiring today to leave a legacy of faith that pleases you and serves as a witness to every generation that follows us. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray.